beautiful souls and welcome to a brand new episode of the Food of Colors podcast. This is a podcast show where people from different ethnic groups share their life experiences of life growing up in Europe. I'm your host, host, not horse, I'm your host Felicia and my co-host for today is my fellow Ugandan brother and my friend and his name is Joshua. Hi Josh. Hi. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, thanks. How are, you, how are you? I am very, very good. I'm super excited to have you on for today's episode or for this week's oh, episode. That's good. I yeah. hope I don't disappoint. Well, I'm sure you won't. I'm sure you won't. <laughs> but I'm glad that you um, reached out and said that you would be happy to, to go on an episode. I remember yeah. when I first spoke, uh, when I first started this project, and you said like you would be interested in being featured. So I'm very excited about that yeah me too yeah. me too i'm a bit nervous i've never done that i've never done anything similar before but so yeah you'll be fine like most people say that they're nervous in the beginning but i think when once the conversation flow you will notice that it's a piece mm. of cake so yeah it'll be like anything it, it will be like speaking to me over the phone honestly okay yeah so you'll be fine you'll be all right <laughs> so how is your day been today i know i asked you that a little bit earlier about it's been all right it's been all right the weather's been a bit dull so um that affects my mood as well really Um, i became a i was i was productive at work Mm -hmm. that's both good and bad because i ended up being quite bored but i I was productive (laughs) so that that, i guess that's good yeah do you often get bored at work or is it just like sometimes when you are productive when I'm overly productive, because today I, I think I worked a bit too well, and <laughs> and sometimes you know I'm I'm the kind of person that needs to have like a deadline approaching, mm-hmm. and now I'm I finish way before the deadline the deadlines, so I'm like, oh, you had to... several deadlines. Yeah, I always have deadlines. But... Oh, okay. Look at you. Okay, well done. It's funny how you say, like, I worked well, because normally that is what you're supposed to do. <laughs> so the fact you said, like, yeah, I worked well, um, expecting that you shouldn't, it was a bit, a, a bit funny, the, the way you said yeah. it. Yeah. So do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? What is your job? Well, like I am I'm a, I'm a social worker. I work with statutory social work and within child protection. I've been doing that for the past nine years. Um, Within these nine years, I've also worked as a school counselor. Oh, okay. What do you prefer the best? Do you like to work as a school counselor or like the stationary social worker? Well, it's hard to say. I, I, I enjoyed working as a school, school counselor. I did that. But uh-huh. um, I feel that I get to do a lot more good and help uh-huh. right now, at least. And I can use a lot more of my um, qual- uh, qualifications and qualities okay. uh, working within social work or statutory yeah. social work. And I think it's... a. Uh, I'm I'm comfortable with it as well because I've been doing it for so for so long, mm-hmm. and it's when I was studying at the at uni at the university that this is what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I wanted to work with child protection, so 
it's always close. It's always close to me. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. And how do you, do you feel like your job is affecting, because you're not working with like, do you work directly with the cases of the kids or is it just like the paperwork that it's done? No, so I, work, I work directly. Yeah, directly. And how do you feel that affects, because you have children. So how yeah. do you feel like it affects like you, knowing that someone might be like doing something horrible to another child and you having children, does that affect your work? Does that make you work differently? Or do you kind of like snap the daddy aspect off when you work? Well, I, um, both yes and no. I don't think about it too much because I still need to be able to do my work. I need to do it professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always there. And I think it's, it helps me also to be able to be more understanding and be more empathetic mm-hmm. being, being a parent. Cause I often meet parents in distress. Mm-hmm. So being a father has actually helped me or is, and is helping me in my line of work. Okay. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, because I have a friend that her mom is a social worker as well. Mm-hmm. And some of the stories she's told me, I was like, I don't, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'll be able to do it myself. But I don't know if they get like crazy stories like in... in you do, in you do, you do. And I, and, and I can basically say this, that, you know, soap operas and stuff like that, it's not that far <laughs> from reality. <laughs> Seriously. Really, but it really isn't. It really isn't. It's just to show a different, they magnify certain aspects of life, mm-hmm. but it's not that different from, from the no, well, in my opinion, that is. Mm. No, that's mad. That's a bit crazy. Cause, um, I mean, you hear about these things, but then when it's so close to you, that's when I'm like, for me, that's kind of like how, what makes it more real. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, she told me a bunch of different stories. Now I'm just horrified. And I think you have to be a, a strong person as well to be able to deal with that as well. And to see the different conditions and see and hear and see the different stories. I think you have to be very strong to be able to go through that. Yeah. And, and, but it, it's like with all things, actually. The, there is, I think there's a danger in containing a lot of things mm-hmm. and not having anywhere to, you know, ventilate and you you don't want to come to that point where you just feel that you're exasperated. So mm-hmm. it's important for recovery is important. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. But apart from working, you, I don't know if you still do much of that, but you used to be a boxer, weren't you? Yes. 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 Um, this year is actually my 20th anniversary. I started 20 years ago. Really? Yeah. <laughs> are you celebrating it in any way are you gonna go like to a boxing match or i don't know if they do no <laughs> no no i wish I, I don't have the time i wish it, i wish i could i mm-hmm. wish I, could. I don't have the time how do you like do you keep it alive like sometimes do you still train a little bit or is it just like yeah yeah, yeah i do yeah, yeah? or do you train up well obviously you're working so presume that you're not training that in a professional manner but did you i can't remember if you said like you used to be a professional or not back no, in the I day. Didn't, I, I, no no i i've trained with professionals but i didn't mm-hmm. i was never a professional boxer so if that would be like 
would that be like if you had a chance to be a professional boxer would you take it like if if a genie came down was like do you want to be a professional boxer would you do it or was it just more of like a hobby it's difficult to say because you know when i started boxing it was a lot about um dealing it, it was a it was it was a way to deal and cope with things going around me mm -hmm. and um I reached, I, I did have that in mind that I wanted to be a professional boxer. I even tried, I, I trained with professional as, at a professional gym in Belgium, but, but, it's, but social work has always been close to me because uh -huh. it's always been the boxing I can always do for myself. Yeah. Yeah. It won't, I don't, I, I haven't, I, I never saw how I could how it would affect other people. And um, somehow I wanted to reach out with, um, with what I can do. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't like being in the limelight that much. I don't want to be on, you know, cause if I were to be a professional boxer, then it's literally all about me. And yeah, fair. but fair. I don't know if I asked your question both yes and no because I, I I love boxing I love the lifestyle I love working out I really uh -huh. do um, not being a professional makes it makes it's still a, it's still a part of me that's fun and uh -huh. and I, that's what I want to keep alive you know having the fun aspect of it because it's okay. it's 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 still very meditative it's my way of meditating. It's my way of complicate, uh, contemplating, reflecting. It, it's, it means a lot to me and I wouldn't mm -hmm. want to, I wouldn't want to lose that having it as an obligation. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so if you feel like it would be like a profession that that would be more mm -hmm. of an obligation to do. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Okay. That's interesting. After, so, after, after some years, after some years, like, but within now, now I would love it. I think, but after yeah. some years, I'd, I'd be, oh, I wouldn't be looking, yeah, I wouldn't be looking forward to it as yeah. much, I, but I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah. But doesn't like professional boxers retire quite early? Yeah. Yeah. Is it because of like the danger it comes with it? Because obviously I guess boxing is quite dangerous. It is quite dangerous. It is quite dangerous. And you need... And I mean, you, it's not something you can be doing for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. And so, but I don't know. I mean, if I had the chance now, if I could do it for some time, maybe. Mm. Yeah, why not? Why mm. not? Well, yeah, if the opportunity comes, then it's always yeah, good to try it out. Because I have, I have a plan B. I have a, I, you know, I have a university degree. So I, I yeah. have a plan B. So. Mm -hmm. No, that's good. It's always good to have a plan B anyway, regardless of even like this big, big footballers. Well, actually, maybe they don't think about that now because <laughs> they, they have money and all of that. But I mean, like when you're starting off, it's always good to have like a plan B uh, regardless because things might not always go your way, and especially being like an athlete. You can always injure yourself. You don't know what's going to yeah. happen, even if you're like really really good and prosperous and going towards something something can always happen so mm. for any young athlete out there just keep that in mind like always you know <laughs> have a plan b um even if you're really good at it it's always good to 
to not fall back on something. Because I guess if something doesn't work your way, you can, I don't know, everyone deals with things differently, but yeah. you can get depressed, I believe. Like if you don't, like for instance, yeah. if you injure yourself, not be able to yeah. walk again, I guess that, yeah. that that's very, yeah, it can be very depressed. But yeah, anyway. So Josh, when, when I introduced yeah. you, I said yes. you are a fellow Ugandan, so obviously yes. both me and you are originally from Uganda. Were you born in Sweden or did you come when you were quite young? I was born, born and raised in Sweden, Stockholm, Sweden. Yeah, and you were, I think you were born and raised like around my area, no? Or not too far? Was it Tumba? Because I remember... Yeah, what, I went to school uh, in a place called Tullinge, but I've lived a bit all over Stockholm. Oh, okay. So I've, li- I've lived in the, the, the so called urban areas mm-hmm. and um, inner city. So I've lived, I've lived pretty much everywhere, yeah. all around the place. Oh, wow. What do you prefer? What area do you prefer? Or did you the like the most side. growing up? South side. South, south side. South. Yeah. Everyone loves South side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, how was it for you, like, because you're a bit older than I am, but we don't have that big of a age gap, I believe. No, no, maybe not. I'm 33. Yeah, I'm 20, 27, about turning 28. So we don't have that big of a no, age not, gap. No, it's not too bad. Yeah, it's not too bad. So how was it for you, like, growing up in Sweden and, like, going to school and things like that? I mean, obviously, you were born and raised there, but did you still, like, experience um, some mad stuff? <laughs> Yeah, where do I begin? Where do I begin? Yeah, because um, all through kind- kindergarten was um, kindergarten and school. It was, I was made known that I was different. Mm-hmm. And at the football pitch, everywhere, everywhere, everywhere where we were, where I, where I grew up, I was, um, ex- it was, uh, it was never a surprise that that I was different. It, it's okay. something that I had to count on absolutely everywhere, in mm-hmm. church, everywhere. There was mm-hmm. no place where my the color of my skin wasn't something that was that people would not talk about. Really? Absolutely absolutely everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. No safe space if you want to say yeah. that. Oh wow. So when you were younger, did you know that you were different before? Like you were made aware by other people commenting about your 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 skin color. Were you already? Did you know that you were different, or was it more of other people that you know uh, you're different? No, basically, uh, there was there wasn't any room not to know that um, I was different. Uh, the thing, the difference was, or my thing was that I never. It wasn't a problem for me because, mm-hmm. you know, growing up in different places of St- Stockholm, I grew up in a place where there ha- where we had lots of immigrants as well. Mm-hmm. So the diff the be being around all different kinds of ethnicities wasn't a problem for me. Mm-hmm. But but I was all but it always boiled down to or came down to that the tone or the color of my skin was always a problem regardless regardless of the setting because being if you were if i was black i could i was i could be with a lot of other immigrant kids but being black 
with something else, I was still not like them and I was still mm-hmm. not um, welcomed in the same way because, because I was black mm-hmm. being with so-called white kids. It was the same thing. You know, I was, I was all right for being black. I was never really welcomed. And that's, and that's basically that hasn't changed. Um, in Sweden, up until uh, today, you're saying it hasn't changed. No, no, no. I think it's even worse now because now there's no excuse for it being this way, but it is. Mm-hmm. Now there's no. You can't blame it on ignorance because people have access to all all kinds of knowledge. Yeah. So there's no excuse for there is never there's ne- always there's never any excuse for ignorance, yeah. let alone now. What excuse is there now? You know, we still, and I'm, I'm saying we, but a lot of us with so-called foreign backgrounds still have to be the best in order to fit in just, just to get a, a bit, a, a bit of recognition. We have to do so much, so much more. And being, being Black in Sweden, you know, there's a term called Afro-Swede mm-hmm. and both, it's both good and bad, but, but, but the thing is, you get reminded of that you, 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 you just can't be a Swede, you know? You I, have, I because, agree, yeah. Because of the color of your skin, you have to be something else. Or, you know, there's always the question, where are you from originally? Mm-hmm. If I speak Swedish, people think I'm adopted because, wow, <laughs> how, come I can, how come I can speak Swedish? When, so so it, it's always been like that. And it's always, for me, it, I adapted different identities depending on where and whom I'm what whom I was around. Mm-hmm. If I was around Swedes, mm-hmm. sometimes I'd I, I, I would speak this so-called ghetto Swedish because oh. I always because I always knew they were going to judge me and they were going to comment on my my Swedish regardless. So mm-hmm. that became my safe spot. And around my immigrant friends, because I could speak good Swedish, that was also something that they would judge me on. That, mm. oh, how come you're not one of us? And I'm like, but if I'm, you know, I'm just me. Mm-hmm. So I've always been uh, adaptive, trying to adapt to different, um, different surroundings as a way of, you know, protecting myself mm. and just just managing. Isn't that quite? It sounds stressful to me, like to to have like to like because obviously you should be able, it should be enough for you to just be you and people not to judge yeah. you or ask you questions or why act in that way, why act in this yeah. way. Um, it should just be enough for you to be yourself. So wasn't that kind of like stressful having to juggle around different ideas? It always is. It always is. But the question is, me being me, who would accept it? You know, because it was. It's never been. It's there's always an expectancy to be a certain, to be, there's always been an expectancy to be a certain way, mm-hmm. you know, where for instance, people have expected failure, which is, which has been driving me forward and being like, fine, then I'm going to prove them wrong. Mm-hmm. So, so there's always some preconceived ideas. Some people expect more, and after some years, you just get used to dealing with it and you try to find ways that you can deal with it on your own. Um, 
you know, that's what, for instance, boxing. Mm-hmm. Boxing's helped me so much. And it still helps me because boxing, basically, I decide if I want to get better. I need to put in the work. No yeah. one can make me better. I can't rely on teammates or anything. You know, I put in the work. And the only one that's standing in my success, the, the only one standing in the way of my success is me mm-hmm. and my eventual fears. And, and that's what boxing's taught me, you know, that you do your best and you, you, that's all you can do. That's all you can commit to. So when you when you said that, that that's that's a good thing. Like you said now, that like obviously you have to that you found something that you you really liked, and you can just improve yourself basically, and not expect anyone else to do it for you. But when you just going back to what you said before, like people expecting you to fail, was that coming from like teachers as well when you're going to school, or was it just like your friends or people around you? Well, it wasn't friends. It wasn't, it wasn't friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was more, it, it was more that atmosphere. It depends on that. It became more tangible when, uh, when I got older, when I got a lot older. The, the primary school, like one to three, I had a fantastic teacher, mm-hmm. a really fantastic teacher who believed in me. And, mm-hmm. and, and that made quite a difference. But then coming up to like what you'd call junior high secondary school, mm-hmm. um, the school was really racist. It, it really was. And it was a tough atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you, you went to school knowing that you weren't welcome and wanted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ugh, man. They they actually try to kick us out my class twice so so it's yeah that's that's another story for another time I think no, no but, it, but <laughs> awkward. well I went to an international I went to an international class mm-hmm. at an all Swedish white school and I did that entire primary f- from grades one to nine mm-hmm. and the the the, the class started. It was mainly for um, parent, kids who had parents that worked for a certain company. The company was called Alpha Laval. So, and they had, you know, they had um, workers from all over the world. And these workers, they were like, yeah, but we want our kids to go to school. Mm-hmm. So where can we, let's, let's find them a school, an international, let's have an international class just for them where the teach, where everything's in English. Mm-hmm. And my parents wanted me to, you know, they wanted me to speak English. So they enrolled me for that school. Problem was that that's, that school or that our class was in an all white neighborhood where people aren't used to um, immigrants, so to say. Yeah. So our, so already then there were you know it it wasn't the best it wasn't the best place to be, and after a couple of years the municipality and the school they're like well maybe we should move this this class to another another part of town or maybe we should just shut it down, and so that was a struggle that we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happened twice. I think it happened this, when I was in the sixth grade and in the uh, ninth grade that they mm-hmm. tried to shut our class down. But 
But was it because people were complaining or was it? I don't know. I don't really know. It was a lot of politics. But come, I remember in the ninth grade, though, then I remember teachers actually saying that they didn't want us there because it would create so much animosity between the other between the other students and and it did i mean our very presence was people felt threatened by it regardless of what we did but that's ridiculous. so that's why it was always we, we knew that okay they've already labeled us as lazy you know so we what we need to do is we need to take control of the narrative, so to say, and label ourselves. Mm -hmm. Do we let them label us or do we, or are we willing to put in the work so that we can, you know, walk with our heads held high and, and label ourselves? So, the, I mean, there's a lesson in everything, but that's what that school taught me. Yeah. But it was a it was a horrific, it was horrific growing up and going to school. Wow. It was, it, it wasn't fun. We'd have, um, We'd have uh, people throw chairs in our into our classroom at one time, and I saw my name on the wall, and someone's wrote, "Yeah, uh, a racial, you know, a racial slur." Yeah. Next to your name. Yeah, 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 yeah. Someone, wow. someone had done it. So you know, coming coming to school with that, and this was for nine years, and as many kids in Stockholm or in Sweden. Well, I'll say a lot of African kids or kids of African descent, we've grown up knowing that the N-word, we don't accept it. We don't care who says it. And that's how I've grown up. Mm -hmm. So when I saw it in a dictionary once, um, I went on a rampage and I remember I tore out the page in every dictionary I could find. Mm -hmm. And I was maybe cool. eight or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was eight or nine. Because they had a picture of two black kids as well wow and i was so provoked by it that i tore it down i tore it out and I, uh -huh. every dictionary i could find i just tore i just tore out that page and i remember of course um the problem wasn't that the problem would end up being that i did something so yeah. you know vandalized and, and it was always like that you know if you stood up for for yourself and for your you know, for you, for you being you, it was always considered being aggressive. You know, they, mm -hmm. they'd have extra watch on us. It, it was always, it was always, you were always labeled problem kids, mm. regardless. You know, even in my class, we had the best grade average in the entire school. Mm -hmm. We were never recognized for it because we were the problem kids always, regardless. So that's, in many ways, it helped me shape the, the person I am today because uh -huh. regardless of my, you know, accolades, regardless of whatever I achieve, that's never going to be seen because the first, first thing that's seen when people see me is my color, not my personality. Uh, and here, that's never going to change, unfortunately. Yeah. That's a lot of, I just found it very... 
like what did the teachers do to like help they well obviously you said like they weren't trying to shut down the schools but did they try to help in some sort of way with like you know when people like throw throwing chairs into the classroom or wrote your name on the wall next to one actually that we did the teacher who was with us when when um kids threw chairs into the classroom she she went up and she so she was good because that's the first time in my life, first and only time in my life where I knew that if I had stepped out of the door, mm-hmm. I would have gotten I would have gotten such an ass beating. I'll never forget because right out right outside the door, there were these guys and they were saying, Oh, there's they were saying, Oh, but let's just, you know, ruin this for the ends, you know, the N-word guy. Mm-hmm. And I just ran down and said, you know what? No, no, no. I'm I'm not going up because they were already making noise. Mm-hmm. And after I ran down, all because our our classroom was downstairs on another level. So after I'd ran down, I just saw lots of chairs coming, hurl, being hurled down. And we were terrified. We were because we were like, oh no, what's going on? But my, my teacher then then and there, she did take action. Mm-hmm. So that was good. And I won't say that they didn't take action for us, but I mean, what was there to do, really? I mean, we were well, the minority. Well, the kids. <laughs> they could uh, have suspended the kids, kicked them out of school, something. It, there's always something to do, like, just because they, they obviously, I'm sure that they did not label them as trouble kids, right? No, no, because yeah. they were just they were just kids that needed to ventilate their frustration and they were frustrated about us being. But that's the thing. I mean, for both good and bad, what it taught us was that if we don't have our own backs, no one else will. Mm. And, and, and that's that's the sadness about being in this society, that if we don't cover our backs, no one else is going to do it. Yeah. No one else is. So that's why they, you know, that's why people say there is strength and unity. There is, you know, you, mm-hmm. united we stand, divided we fall. Mm-hmm. There is something to that. My wish it would be that we didn't need to, fall, that we don't need to fall at all. Mm-hmm. And if we fall, that we can be there to, to help each other up again. Mm-hmm. Because, because those are the struggles that we face or as um, being, being black in Sweden, mm-hmm. that's what you face. That's what, that's why I think a lot of kids face still that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's always, it, it's always there. Your color is always there. Yeah. It, you know, it's sometimes it's a quality. Sometimes it's, it isn't. Sometimes it's all people see and something. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, I'm guessing it's both good and bad. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. But what, so, was it other like Swedish born like students in your class, like in your international class? Mm, no, 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 they weren't. So did like what other um, nationalities were they in your, in your, oh, man, we had from all over the world. We had, we had, um, actually we had Pakistan, Pakistan, Bangladesh, India, the states oh the states even okay yeah um sri lanka 
we didn't have anyone from South America, no, no one from a South American country there, but it was a lot from Asian countries, Asian and African countries. Yeah. I don't, there. yeah, I just found it, could you just find it like a bit fascinating? Because when I said like in the beginning that our age gap is not that different, like that much, mm -hmm. but at the same time, like you've experienced way more than I have in some aspects. I have experienced some racism in school, but not mm -hmm. to that extent where I'm like, you know, afraid and or someone's gonna like, you know, writing my name or like, you know, throw chairs or whatever. So I found it very strange. No, nah, it was it was sick. It was sick. It was um for so long. For so long nine years it was there were times where um we couldn't go to school feeling safe. Wow. We we had to walk to school and train station and there were times or just going to the cafeteria. I remember there were times where we said, no, no one goes by themselves. Because mm -hmm. if you go by yourself, you can, you, it's not safe. You know, so we were then each other, we needed to, we needed to be, to find safety or, you know, we, we needed to make sure that we were safe because no one else was going to do it for us. Mm. Well, would, and, they, would they attack so, you like, to beat you down? Yeah. yeah. My, uh, my, my dear friend of mine, he just, you know, just walking through the cafeteria once. Mind you, we were in the seventh grade. We were kind of small. Mm -hmm. And then the ninth graders just made, cracked this joke. Oh, it became so dark in here all of a sudden. And, hmm. and, I, and then everyone started laughing. And I had, um, I had a basketball jersey on. It said Tumba Magic, because that was the name of the team yeah. that I played. And played in and then they would say ah tumba n-word and the thing is you know me you hear me say that yeah i didn't take that from anyone but honestly then and there being alone being in the seventh grade with all these other bigger guys yeah unfortunately i took it mm -hmm. because what else was i supposed to do mm -hmm. i wasn't you know being i was tired of being the one who who you know fight and Obviously, I know violence doesn't solve anything. I do, I do know that, but yeah. it, it was tough. And and imagine having that for nine years, constantly, 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 having to watch your back, having to you know make sure that you don't go alone. It wasn't like that. Obviously, it wasn't like that every day. It wasn't, but it still it was enough for me to even remember it. Mm. That's, um, I mean, that takes like a mental toll on you. It does. And it does. And at the same time, you're trying to do, you, you're trying to do well in school because being, you, you know, when you're brought up here, seeing the struggles of your parents, or I saw the struggles of my parents mm -hmm. and they instilled in me that, you know, if you, if you, if you're going to have just least one shot, mm -hmm. you need, you need to excel, you do your best yeah they didn't expect more they said just do your best that's all we can expect and if you don't if it doesn't work out fine but then you know you've done your best mm -hmm. so i didn't have anything else to rely on i needed to be i need because i was like no but i need to have i need to make sure that i can that i have a future for myself mm -hmm. and for me it was through academics i'm not the brightest person i'm not i've always had a hard time in school but i've you know, I've um, I work hard, 
and, and we were forced to because we couldn't take any shortcuts. We didn't, we didn't have any trust fund waiting for us. We didn't have, you know, anything waiting for us. Mm-hmm. We just, we, or, or what was awaiting was our failures from everyone. Yeah. So, and, and that's, you know, I, I've been saying it so much. That's both good, good and bad because it is a pressure um, trying to make sure that you mount off everyone's low expectations of you. Yeah. But, but, but at the same time, it can be a motivator. Mm-hmm. And it was for me. I was like, fine, I'm going to prove them wrong. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you feel that you're strong enough to do it. And sometimes it's like, I'm tired. I, I yeah. can't do it anymore. And I think a lot of us, it catches up to us these years when we're, when we're out working as well. Because it, 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 we reach a point where like, when is it good enough just to be? Yeah. Because we're never taught, we're, society doesn't let us just be, you know? It's always, ah, oh, but, oh, but, you know. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, me speaking English now, if I were to meet colleagues or Swedes, they'll be like, oh, are you American? No, I'm not American. Ah, oh, but how come you speak English? Well, I was taught in school and I've always been speaking English. Ah, oh, oh, but is it because you're from, it can never be, it can never be, it can never be that maybe I'm linguistically, linguistically gifted. You know, it can yeah. never be that you know, I learned in school and I acquired this knowledge. It can never be, it has to be, ah, but ah, your parents, right? They're immigrants and these yeah. people. Well, it, so it, it's never just because you're you. But but if, if I'll say if a white person spoke, and my spoke is, you know, if, if it, we sounded the same, they would never be, you know, they're like, wow then yeah. that would be an attribute. That would be something cool. That would be something good. But for me, it's always like, ah, yeah, wow, wow, that's good. But you're American or you're, you're British or, or you're African. Then, then, then I'm African again. Then I'm not Swedish. Or, you know, it, it's, it's just really weird because at the same time, if I do something good, if I'm good at something, I'll, but then it's also because I've, you know, I've been blessed to be born here and, and that's an accolade being born here. So you're never... Is that what someone has said to you or is it just something that you... Yeah, think? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, really? yeah, of course, of okay. course. And I mean, it, it, it's, always, it's always there. It's always there and there's no context where... I'm not remind where I'm not reminded of the the color of my skin. There's not a single context, and 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 that's what's you know you're always on your guard. Mm-hmm. And the one and I know it's like this for a lot of us. The one time you let your guard down, that's the that's the one time you get you know hit. Yeah, exactly. And also, life lessons from boxing: protect yourself at all times. Because you never know from what angle that punch is going to come. Mm-hmm. And the punch that you don't see is the one that hurts the most. Mm. That's what you're saying. Yeah. No, but that's what boxing taught me. Because, I, you know, in the beginning, a lot of kids, they're afraid. You, no one, well, there are some people that enjoy 
taking the punches and stuff. I've never been one of them. Mm-hmm. I hate being punched at. Mm-hmm. And what I would do in the beginning, I would t- put my head down and look down so that I wouldn't see the punches coming. The mm-hmm. problem with that is then you just get ambushed and you just mm-hmm. get you just get a flurry of punches. But if you actually look up and you see where the punches are coming from and you're protecting yourself, it's easier to evade and and to parry because you're you're seeing what you need to evade and what you need to parry. Mm-hmm. So even though you know some will get through but you see it coming even though you know you will get hurt you see it coming and you're mentally prepared and you can also counter and you can strike back mm-hmm. uh, and that's how it is in life or that's how it's how it's been for me and how it needs to be that i need to protect myself at all times because yeah. if i let my guard down and i i think that i've been accepted i'm one of them i get hit mm-hmm. and i'm not saying that's all Swedes, no, but you know, the in Sweden culturally, people don't speak out. People don't like these uncomfortable silences. Yeah. So, if, <laughs> so, so if someone were to verbally abuse me at my workplace because of my skin tone, no one would say anything around me. No one would. But and luckily, sorry, sorry luckily, for you. Uh, yeah, but sorry. With that, isn't. Because I, I don't, I should probably know, but is that not like illegal to do in Sweden to like abuse someone because of their race in Sweden? Of course it is. Of course it is. But if you're out on the bus, who's going to, who's, who's going to be, who's going to be with you and who's going to be like, Hey, I mean, the the police do it. And, and I know it's, I, I know it's the popular thing to say now it's, it's in because all the black lives matter stuff. But but the truth is, we do. It, it happens. It's happened to me. I mean, the first time I was stopped by the police, I was 13 years old. Are you serious? Yeah, I was 13. I was 13 years old. I was walking from the train station with my older brother and two civilian police officers. They, they just stopped us, and because I wasn't studying, I didn't attend school at the place I lived mm-hmm. in that area. So when they asked me where where I go to school, I was like, "This, I go to yeah." And telling it, and they were like, "But what? No, 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 no! How?" And basically, they stopped us because they thought we had stolen something from where I don't know. They showed us their ID and everything, but I mean, I was being, I was what? I was stopped because I was walking. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was driving with my kids. Um, some of my kids, my two-year-old my no my three four-year-old and my nine-year-old and my wife we were we were driving mm-hmm. and I was keeping I was keeping the speed limit I wasn't I wasn't fat I wasn't driving fast because mm-hmm. I know it's not worth it mm-hmm. regardless of safety reasons and I had my kids we were going to the supermarket and of course we drive past a police car and after a couple of blocks it comes up, pulls up right, you know, and asks me, it asks, they asked me to pull over. I'm like, okay, what's the problem? Mm-hmm. And of course they're doing their job. Their job was to do a control to see if I was dr- driving under the influence. Why? I don't know. And when they asked me who I was, they said, yeah, but we didn't, we didn't really get a name. We didn't see your picture on when we looked you up. And I said, Picture up one. Yeah. 
that's what I was asking. I was like, but how could you look me up from behind? I don't understand. Why? What, what's the problem? Have I been, have I done something? No, wrong. No, this is just a random check. Yeah, right. A random check. Yeah. And, and, and you know, sometimes it, it, it isn't more than it is. Mm-hmm. It could have been a random check, which it was. But my question is, it, it always happens that we get randomly checked because being black in Sweden and being a man is also very scary for, for, for people. Because if I don't speak Swedish, then, you know, then I'm considered to be stupid and people can try to abuse me or mm. try to speak you know, they'll speak English to me in stores. And then when they hear I speak Swedish and they hear that I can actually speak for myself, they sort of back down and they sort of get intimidated. Mm-hmm. So, and that's something I've learned that, you know, knowledge is intimidating as well, especially black knowledge, because somewhere it comes with power that you don't know. And because that's what I see. People get, a, they get intimidated if they hear me speak, if they hear, me, if they hear and see that I can speak well as well. Because that doesn't fit their preconceived ideas. I'm supposed to be, you know, speaking ghetto Swedish and not being able to speak properly. That is the role that they've put on me. Mm. And it's always weird and strange for people when I don't fit, you know, when I don't fit the box they try to put me in. Yeah. No, I've been like, I haven't had that many comments when it comes to like speaking proper Swedish but I remember once that someone thought it was I can't remember if it was a Swedish person or maybe it was a foreign person that yeah I think it was a foreign person that asked me why I'm speaking the proper Swedish and I was like well <laughs> why wouldn't I I'm like first of all I'm born in this country I'm not saying that just because you're not born in this country that you're supposed to speak um get to Swedish like I'm I've heard like a lot of like people coming late to Sweden, like born elsewhere, coming late to Sweden, speaking very like well Swedish, like proper Mm. Swedish. So I'm like, I don't understand why you have to be in this box. I'm like, okay, so if, if I'm like, well, technically not born that I'm supposed to speak a certain way, or if I have my skin color, I'm supposed to speak a certain way. And I don't get it. And also like with elderly people, whenever they hear us speaking or me, heard me speaking Swedish, it was the same, like, oh, I adopted, or you speak mm. very well Swedish. Yeah. Why do you speak very well Swedish? And I'm like, well, because yeah. I'm born here. Like, what do you think? Yeah, but that, but because that can never be good enough, you see? Because, because even if, because I never spoke Swedish at home, I didn't speak Swedish to my parents. Up to this day, I don't speak Swedish to my parents. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. But, but, but it can never be that, you know what, maybe... I've been able to speak Swedish or I speak Swedish because I'm born here. And maybe it's, it's, there's always, it can never be because you're good enough just being you. It has to be, there always has to be another reason. Always. I see the work. I saw that university. I mean, you always have, whether or not, whether I like it, I like it or not, I stand out. Even if I'm trying not to, even if I try to hide, I can't hide in this country. Even uh-huh. if I try, I couldn't hide during my university studies where, you know, where <laughs> I'm naive and stupid because I'm st- I studied social work and we were talking about globaliza- globalization and we're talking about peoples, ethnicities, cultures. And I still hear teachers calling out the N word. What? 
their classmates and th this is this is where this is me being in my 20s being among the youngest in my class mm -hmm. and other people in their 40s 30s you know casting out the n-word and i'm like these are people that are going to be working to help other people yeah. and, and y you know so y you face it everywhere mm -hmm. and even then i'm like oh but you're but you're not like them or you're not <laughs> no it's always been you're not like them yeah and i don't know i don't know who the, those people are them i don't know who they're referring to because but it's always been like that it's always and i think it will be like that for a long time it will always be a struggle um trying to trying to be you mm -hmm. because because you being black or being you know brown skin you're not supposed you're not expected to be able to be yourself you have a certain role you're if you're if if your parents are from africa or you're expected to to be poor and to be to feel blessed and grateful that you're in sweden or or if you, or maybe you're african-american or anything but you, you can never be you mm -hmm. i don't call my i call myself a swede to provoke people but why why is that a provoke though it shouldn't be a provoke because you are no, yeah you are born there yeah i'm you know because i can't really say i'm from anywhere else because this is where i'm from i'm from yeah you know i i can't say that i'm from uganda i'm not i haven't lived there mm -hmm. i haven't but i at, at younger i would always call myself uganda because and because i know i'll never be called a sweet mm. because if i'm asked where i'm from even you, that question shouldn't be relevant mm -hmm. you know but sometimes i can get i can get it why it could be relevant when it comes to medical issues or something Mm -hmm. But other times in other contexts, I don't understand how it's relevant. I don't understand why it'd be relevant when I'm going when I'm in school when I'm seven years old. Yeah. I don't understand why it's relevant during my university studies. I don't, I don't understand why it's relevant at my place of work with my colleagues. Where are you from, really? I don't understand where that's why that becomes why that's an issue. Why it's relevant, and I don't understand why I would need to explain why is that so interesting why isn't it why can't i be interesting just because i am me mm -hmm. you know why why does the color of my skin have to be in you know another aspect that that scene that they have to take in account is why is that mm -hmm. and that's that's how it's always been you know from school growing up in church you weren't really accepted as one of the other kids as well never you were like yeah you like us but <laughs> did you grow up in the church like were you did you go to church young um yeah i've always yeah <laughs> yeah we met through church and i'm i'm uh, so was I it the same church you used to go to pardon did you go to, did you used to go to the same church when it was young like the same church we met in yeah yeah okay all right yeah, yeah. it was still so, like that's the one i attended oh well <laughs> the thing is my beliefs um don't come from haven't been taught to me from the church and mm -hmm. uh, because what i was taught at church at an early age so one teacher one one bible teacher told that 
actually that the color of my skin is the mark of Cain and that we are descendants of what? the devil. No, are you joking? And I didn't really understand. And I, no, no, I'm not joking. And I, because that, that's nowhere in the Bible. So I was like, what? No, but that's how, you, because the dark skin, that's how you know that you're blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. I remember my dad flipped. And then at other, another time at church, I heard the N word being used when we had like a fika, when we were uh-huh. just going. And then someone, the teacher, the teacher said, oh, can I have those N balls? And it was just my brother and I and everyone else started laughing. And we just felt so humiliated. Because the thing is, when it happened in church that was supposed to be my safe space, uh-huh. I didn't know how to fight there. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, yeah, well, I'd forgotten that. But um, what was difficult with that was that I didn't know how do you fight there because we were brought together by our common belief, right? Our, our belief in love, in God, and God is love. Mm-hmm. So, so when you experienced something that was the pure opposite, you know, when you experience hatred in that way or the, the diminishing and derogatory language, well, how did you fight that? Because that was already my reality in school. That was my reality on the football pitch where my brother and I, we weren't allowed to play if we weren't good enough. Right. We had to be absolutely better than everyone in order to be able to play in order to pay for, for anyone to pass us the ball i uh, y- you know it was always it was always a fight but we we were we were ready to take it we, we were ready to be in that struggle uh-huh. but in church that was um i still don't know how to take i still don't know how to take that fight because even you remember when you lived when we lived in the same city yeah i, I would tell you about these issues and that it was around the the group of people we would we were around. I don't I don't remember. I don't know. Do you remember that? I'll tell you yeah. that. Yeah. And and up to this day, I don't know how to use that. I don't know how to fight. And because I still I've still in many church gatherings, I've heard it different. I've I've heard it, and you know people shrug it off or like oops, ooh. Uh-huh. and that just. And then it dawns upon me that, you know, xenophobia and racism isn't something that can escape. Yeah. It'll never be something you can escape. But what you can do is you need to face it. And the best way to do it is not doing it alone. Because mm. that, that crap takes a toll on you. It does. Yeah. It, it, really, it really does. Because I, I, I heard it as well, like in church. Now I'm like, the first time I heard it, I got really shocked. And I didn't even know how to react because um, at that yeah. time I was going to, you know, Bible school <laughs> and it could be home. Yeah. And one of the, I don't know, yeah. he's not a teacher. I think maybe that one of the headmasters, because we used to have like Bible study. And then I, I think mm. I had, or maybe someone else in my Bible study had made those chocolate bowls. And then he comes mm. up, check up on us and he was like, oh, can I can also grab some N word balls. And I just looked at him like really, really angry and also really shocked because he was like, 
I can tell you his name later on. <laughs> I don't want to say his name here. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you already know who I'm talking about, but like this older. I don't. I don't. You don't. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I will tell you later. Yeah. Um, so he was like older, and then he looked at like I looked at him, and then he was like he's like started laughing it off and like oh don't get angry oh come on like that's what we used to say back in my generation, and I'm like what 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 am I supposed to say? Because I'm like I feel like the other people around expect yeah. me to get angry as well. Yeah. Then it was other times where the people my age, like I think they they were taking the piss, like there was actually too much. Um, I don't know how we came into the conversation, but I think I, we, they had said like watermelon something, and I'm like, oh my god, I love watermelon, I love watermelon, and you know the stereotype that all black people love chicken and watermelon. Yeah. So at that time I didn't know that there was that stereotype, so they started laughing. Um, saying like oh do you love watermelon so every single time they used to joke around about it and then also say like stupid like things around like my ethnicity so eventually i just kicked off like i got super angry but then i never felt like they understood that they did something wrong it felt like i was in the fault for getting angry yeah yeah so i was like what am i supposed to do here so like now it gets awkward and silent and no one is standing up for me and telling no. them what you're doing is wrong mm but they did something wrong. And I feel like that's what kind of like why I just separated myself, at least from that church, because mm -hmm. I, I didn't understand how you can come and be like, yeah, we all want people and preaching yeah. all of this and then still say these stupid things. Yeah. And, and, and I really and don't understand it. No, because you know, we don't have the privilege. We never have the privilege of being able to say something stupid and racist. We, we don't have the privilege because as weird as it sounds, it's a privilege that, a lot of white people have they have the privilege to be ignorant mm -hmm. we don't we don't have that privilege and we don't get that luxury mm -hmm. we never do because we're already we're already you know labeled ignorant we're already labeled lazy regardless regardless of this, by intentions or not so we always have to we, we always have to strive for higher and as a woman as women, black women, if you speak up, our oh, angry black woman, our oh, emotional hysterical black woman, oh, why are you trying? To, why are you trying so much? Just take tone it down, tone it down a bit. Or why are you trying? You know, it's always like that. And as a black man, oh, angry black man, scary. You, you, you know, if you raise your voice, it means you're dangerous. Mm -hmm. If you get upset, oh, you know, you need to be mindful of everyone else's feelings mm -hmm. if you get hurt. But, mm -hmm. but no one needs to be mindful of your feelings when you get hurt. Yeah, that's very oh. well put. Yeah. Because like, why? I've never understood that. Why is the color of my skin? Why Why is it a pun at a joke? I had some colleagues. Um, we had like a Christmas party that we were going to. And you, you, needed to, you needed some money to come in or to pay for the wardrobe or anything. Oh, okay. And, and these were good friends of mine. One is actually starting to become a police officer now. The oh. one who uttered the word. The one who uttered the words I'm going to say. Oh. But so they'd made it. I was on the phone with them. I was like, "Oh, you need money." And then, and then she told the other people on the other end, "Ah, I hope he doesn't do do do." And then when I arrived, I was like, "What was it you guys said? What was the what was the joke?" And then my colleagues, they were like, "Oh, oh wait, you you're just gonna love it." So they, they really tell me um, our conversation and what I said. They were like, so when you asked, do you need money? The, the joke was that the other person said, yeah, but don't, don't bring any black money. Ha, ha, ha. And 
Meaning that you're doing drugs or something. I don't. I don't know. Or a drug dealer. I mean. I, and 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 I'm like, and I just looked at them, and I remember I turned I turned away, and my other colleague, he's just he laughed, and he he felt it was so funny, and and these are people that work with other people. One's one's becoming a police officer, and another one is working with people, you know, that are in need. So, do you understand? how twisted our society is when that type of joking is okay because the same people would have conversations that in the dining room where they would say the n-word and like yeah but before and, and you're entitled to your opinion but the thing is if you're going to work with other people mm-hmm. that come in distress you need to check your preconceived ideas at the door mm-hmm. because the people we meet they don't need my preconceived ideas they need my help and yeah. me being in a position of power, you know, people that come see us, they're already scared that we're going to take their kids away. Th- that's a fear they have for the social services. Imagine coming with that fear and also being afraid that you won't be treated equally and just because of the color of your skin. Mm-hmm. Imagine having to walk around with that pressure. Of course, what happens? People don't seek out help because... All right, are they going to see? Are they going to ask for help for someone who's going to, you know, who already already looks down upon them because of their hair, because of their, you know, origin? And that's a struggle that a lot of us had, even in school. Am I? Can I ask for help, or will, or will they think that I'm stupid? Mm. You know, I actually had a history teacher in in high school who actually wrote that. He wrote on my paper, you know, your Swedish is so bad. I couldn't I couldn't understand a word of what you wrote. But I end, but I know you did your best, so I'll give you a passing grade. And the same teacher would use the N-word. Hmm. And and it's just that it's everywhere and it's constant. And that's why it's so good that you're doing things like this, that we get the our generations and the coming generations, that we get a chance already now to the, the coming generations at least. They get a chance to ventilate and they get a chance to feel commune, community and communion, knowing that they're not alone. The struggle is not theirs, but, you know, mm-hmm. when we start to isolate ourselves and contain the struggle, that's when, that's when it breaks us down. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why we have so many, you know, you know, psychologically and black people, we are not doing well, you know, or, I won't say we're not doing well, but a lot of people have mental illnesses that we don't talk about. Yeah. Because how who who do we talk to about these things? Who who will we, who will take us seriously and who will not see the the our illness or our struggles as a trait of our skin color? You know, who who will acknowledge our pain without having to talk about that it's based on our color of skin? Uh-huh. Who, who acknowledges us when we succeed on uh, who acknowledges who when do we get acknowledged on our our intellect uh-huh. our you know our competence when is that solely acknowledged without our skin being in uh, the color of our skin being in the conversation i don't know i really don't know because for me at least it's always in the back of my head I always, it's always at the back of my head. I'm good enough until I become a threat. 
because being too good that's threat that's threatening and that, that women black black women i think you're the big, you're the biggest threat of the, you're the biggest threat of them of us all because imagine being a woman in this society okay sometimes it, i don't know how it is but you know how it is it's not easy them being black and them being competent and intelligent and them being strong mm-hmm. throughout all the crap that you're going through and them being successful that is the biggest threat ever because you have everything going against you and you still manage to pull through mm-hmm. what is the other person's excuse for not doing it <laughs> so so in order to keep you down of course ah, but it's just because ah, it's just because because that's the thing it will, our success is never based on our abilities and qualities. Mm-hmm. That's what we're told. Yeah. And we always have to tell ourselves that no, you know what? And that's what my brother. That's what my older brother kept on teaching me and telling me. Don't, don't, don't let anyone define what success is for you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it comes from boxing. Is you know, boxing helped me realize what he was talking about. And what what I need to be ready for, because you know I I did boxing because I didn't want to be I didn't want to walk on the street being afraid I didn't want to go on the football pitch being afraid I wanted to know how to protect myself mm-hmm. and and just the you know the mental training that you get and just putting it in all the aspects of your life that you need to protect yourself and you need to be ready. Mm-hmm. You need to be ready because you're going to get attacked. But what do you do when you get attacked? Mm-hmm. Do you lay down? Do you fold? Do you quit? Or do you, you know, go, do you take the hits and realize that, you know what, when I see them coming, it's not that bad. I can pull through. Because uh, there were, I mean, there were lots of instances where I faced racism as a boxer as well. Uh, there was this, oh, can I, th- can I tell you the story? Is it too much? No, tell me. It's not too hard. There was this one time I went to a city called Hamsta. I was invited there for a gala, a boxing tournament. Uh-huh. And already when we arrived in the city, my coach who was Eritrean and we had a, yeah, my coach who was Eritrean, he was, he was just like, yeah, just stay close to me. Because wa- I remember we walked, in, we walked around town and then people just, you know, a biker rolled by and he just sh- shouted, oh, trash. And we're like, I'm like, what? I was like, yeah, fine, whatever. I'm here, I'm here, to, I'm here to boss. I'm here to have fun. And I remember I had, um, that my opponent was an opponent, was a boxer who'd been boxing for the junior national team. And you know in boxing when they do the introductions, they say, oh, and he's got this, this, these many bouts and stuff. And me at the time, I was just unknown. They invited me, they invited me to this gala because I just wanted, the, I just won a cup, a gold, a gold. So I was like, wow. <laughs> so, so they invited me, but I was still unknown. This guy had, he gone, he had gone 15 bouts. I had um, five. No, I'd, I'd done four bouts in total. So he had 15 and I had four. And then when they introduced him and stuff, and I was like, it got to me. And I, I remember feeling tension. I remember feeling scared. But I was like, no, I'm just going to go here out and do, and do what I'm supposed to do. And this, this, 
this memory of mine, I hope I never forget it because it's so, it was so powerful to me what happened. Um, and then boxing is so, you, you, you know, the crowd can lift you up as a lot mm-hmm. because when the other, when the other punch with the other guy hits you with a punch, you know, the, if you're not on home court, the crowd will be like, wow, they'll clap. And so you fight that mental block. You need to be in a place where you're not listening to the crowd mm-hmm. because then it affects you because you'll only hear them cheering when you get hit and you get in boxing, you know, punches come quickly yeah so imagine you only get you never get anyone cheering for you and that's how it was i came to this i came to this arena we started a fight you know it was going to be a piece of cake for this guy because he you know he'd been in the national team and i was just this unknown kid Mm -hmm. and round one starts and everyone's cheering for him all Mm -hmm. the time that's what i hear everyone cheers for him all the time and i'm like man what's going on and at the end of the and and the middle of the round he headbutts me and i'm like what and i get a count you know the standing count and everyone's cheering and i'm like no but what's going on and then i remember i go back end of round one i go back into my corner and my my coach is actually telling me good job out there i was like what He's like, you're doing great. Continue to do it. And now go out and silence the crowd. Just you do your thing. You focus on you. Mm-hmm. And I remember coming out. I, I just went all at it. I boxed like I've never boxed before. Mm-hmm. And I remember that I didn't, I was in the zone and I didn't hear anything. Because in the first round, it was like, oh, down with the end. You know, it was, it was a lot, you know, people, people were saying that, and, you know, I'll show this and, you know, and then being from Stockholm, it wasn't all, you know, people hate Stockholm. People hate us (laughs) in Stockholm. I don't know why, because we're a lot better than them, they think. I I don't know. But so, so it was a lot going against me. And I remember that I just needed to block it out. Mm -hmm. I was able to block it out. There were three, (laughs) there were actually three immigrants in the crowd. Yeah. All of a sudden, I started hearing their voices and I started listening to what mattered. And what mattered was listening to the people who was who were lifting me up. Mm. All of a sudden, my coaches, my coach cheering for me was a lot louder than 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 the hundreds of crowds, you know, that weren't. Yeah. All of a sudden, the people that were cheering for me became more important, and that's what carried me through. And I remember coming into the, coming in afterwards. I was like, okay, the coach was like, okay, just one more round, and then you're good to go. So I, I was a bit winded because, I, like I said, I'd never boxed like this before, but I just felt moved by. I, I decided to listen to people cheering me on instead of doing the opposite. So I'm getting ready for the round. Last round, I'm tired. I'm so tired, and I, but I still run out. I'm like, okay, just this is the last round, and just go out, give it your all, give it your all. And we're and when we're about to approach each other, each other, the guy, his coach, throws in the towel. I don't know if you've heard that saying, you know, throw in the towel. But you uh, give up or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I never, you know, me being, I, 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 I'd never seen it. 
So I didn't know what was going on. So I was like, what's going on? What's going on? What's happening? Did I do something wrong? Because he, he just stopped the fight. And, and, and then I was like, I was, you know, after my coach, you go to your corner. I was like, what did I do? What did I do? Mm-hmm. And my coach was like, no, but you won the fight. I was like, what? Yeah, they gave Yay. up. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, I go to my corner, and I remember these other three immigrant guys, they come, they're so happy. They're like, yeah, good job, good job, wow. And I'm like, what? And I was like, you're the guys I heard. They was like, yeah, wow, we're so glad you won. And, you know, me being stupid, I can't contain myself, so I just started dancing in the ring. <laughs> uh, uh, but it was funny because that – in a way, I, sh- I got to share that moment with the crowd. Mm-hmm. And in a weird way, I won them over because they laughed and, they sh- and I actually got applause. Oh, really? Yeah. But then that's and the what- same people that called you get, get the N-word. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or it was in the same crowd. And, and, and that's the thing. I know it sounds like a movie. but it, Yeah, it sounds really like happened. a movie. <laughs> it really happened, I promise. It really happened. It really happened. And... and and that gave me such an important life lesson. I was like, I can choose to listen to the overpowering crowd of people who want mm-hmm. to weigh me down. Because that, that sometimes is what society is, the overpowering crowd that want to weigh you down because you're different, because you look different, because you act and talk different. Or I can try and listen to the people who embrace me for me. Mm-hmm. And cheer me on for me being me. Mm-hmm. And what happens when you do? For me, what happened was I saw I got to f- see success. I got to feel success, and I was regarded as successful, even if it was a even if it was a for a brief period of time. Because afterwards, when the papers wrote about it, they wrote they wrote that yeah, but Josh said he's a difficult boxer, and uh, it was because of allergies that so. The, the papers didn't acknowledge it. The coach, the, his coach didn't acknowledge that. You know what? I was good. They didn't acknowledge it publicly. They told my coach, he was like, wow, your kid is really good. But, mm-hmm. privately, but publicly, there was like, no, you know, he has, the other, he has his allergies. He's ha- he has pollen. And well, what does that have to do with anything? No, but because pollen can affect you when, when you're working out. But here's oh. the kicker. I'm allergic. I, I have pollen allergies as well. The mm-hmm. same allergies as that guy, as that kid had. The you know, I had the, I had the same allergies. We were taking the same medicine. So I'm like, so so even then, in my so so, and, and that's what's so vital in the story is that I can choose also to focus on that they didn't acknowledge me, mm-hmm. or I can choose to focus on the people who did. Yeah. And and, and that's been that's been a lesson I'm trying to teach myself every uh-huh. day. And that's why I come back to it, that it's so important that we don't go through this alone. Even if we don't think that it's a struggle or it's a battle, uh-huh. the struggle is real. And some battles we face alone, uh-huh. but the struggle, we, can, we can't do that by ourselves. We yeah. shouldn't do that by ourselves. We, we, we need each other. We really do. Yeah. No, we definitely do, but because I'm just, th- yeah, that was a very beautiful story. I'm like, it actually sounds like <laughs> coming from a movie. <laughs> but at the same time, I feel like 
you know, when it comes to like athletes, I was like foreign athletes. I feel like I've yeah. seen that before because I remember like once, I think it was during football. You know how Slatan was like, you know, they were trying to like, I think they were trying to tear him down during, in media and everything, yeah. saying all these crazy things about him. And then I think he scored goals so the country won and all of a sudden he was a hero. Yeah. So I'm like, and I but don't that's, like that. That's two-faced. I'm like, so you're going to try to like tear me down the same way yeah. as you said, like the crowd. I know that we yeah. should also, you know, look up the big, bigger picture that the people that cheered you on, but just going to yeah. that, like the same way there, the crowd was trying to like, you know, say this derogatory <laughs> words towards you. And then all of a sudden they're going to clap for you because you were good. I'm like, why do you need to, and this is what I'm sick about. Like, why do I need always need to prove myself in order for you to like yeah. like me? Because you, that's the thing. We always need to be a hundred. We we can't. Hundred percent is never good enough. We need to be two hundred percent to be even to be regarded as fifty percent, half as good. Mm. Because if we speak Swedish, we need to speak it proficiently enough, or English for that matter. We need to speak it proficiently enough to be regarded as one of them. Yeah. And it's always like that in sports as well. You need to be so much better in order for someone to notice you. And then when you do get noticed, you need to be so way, you know, you need to be at the top of everyone's game at everyone's level to get the same shots because no one else, no, no one's going to give it to you freely mm. ever. Nothing in this, you know, nothing that's worth having comes freely for us. And yeah. I, I, cause I can't speak, I can't speak for how it is for other people, but I know how it is for me and, and for people of our skin tone here and everyone in Sweden that has a darker skin tone, you know, we're not, we're, we'll always be regarded as se, se, what's it called? Second grader citizens. We'll never, we'll never be one of them. Yeah. And I'm 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 coming to terms with I don't want to be one of them. Yeah. I just want to be me. Yeah. Uh, because you know, even in Uganda, I'm like I'm not Ugandan. I go to Uganda, I'm not even Ugandan. Even if I speak, I think three language three Ugandan languages, I won't ah, be regarded three as Ugandan Ugandan. languages. I have I have spoken three now. Ah, now barely now I speak one, but you know, even then I won't be regarded as Ugandan. Mm. So I'm like. I'm I'm trying to find solace in just being me, yeah. and and real and just being like you know, and I'm okay with that. That I'm good enough just being me. Mm -hmm. That's because that's what I'm. I'm back to Boston, but you know, what are you what doing in the background? Me. It's quite loud. I'm sorry. I was um I was I'm cooking as well. <laughs> no, you know, men can multitask as well. Okay. I give you that. I give you that. No, so, but no, but like what you're saying that you feel like, like I said. Yeah. It, sorry. No, I'm just saying like when you said like yeah, when you go to Uganda, they they're not gonna recognize you as Ugandan because that's kind of like how I felt no. as well. Um, growing no. up, I'm like I never really belonged anywhere. Even I'm a foreigner in Uganda, I'm a foreigner, so I'm like, what am I? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's kind of like one thing that I feel like I'll manage to do now that I managed to kind of like find myself and be like, yeah. this is who I am. And I don't know if it helped by, I think it helped me by moving here actually to, to the UK. Yeah. Where I'm like, okay, I can be myself without anyone questioning me, <laughs> really. Yeah. But you, 
but London's nice in that way mm-hmm. because you see, you see people that that look like you, mm-hmm. and it's and no one and it's not weird, and no one questions the fact that you know you look the way you do. Mm-hmm. It's more. Uh, of course, there's racism in, in in London as well. You you, you mm-hmm. don't escape that, but it's not strange mm-hmm. seeing people of color. Yeah. Here, people still react. It'll be like, oh, mm, mm. <laughs> I mean, I no, know. but <laughs> no, but let's say that my classmates mm-hmm. going in the social work program. I had a classmate that graduate that I don't know due to certain 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 things mm-hmm. she she took a break and she, so she graduated um the class under me mm-hmm. but she was working during the summertime part-time at my where i'm working now mm-hmm. i remember when i went for an interview and i see her you know i was like hey she didn't she didn't greet me and it wasn't to be mean. And later when I got the job, she told me, no, nah, yeah, I saw you for your interview when you came with your boss, but I didn't greet you. And she said, I didn't know if you were a client. I thought you might've been a client. So I was like, you never know. What and, I thought to, and I thought to myself, I was like, but do, and there's nothing wrong with being a client, but I was just, why would that be the first assumption? Mm-hmm. Especially when you, and, and the th- funny thing is, our other classmates has had just, you know, they'd recently just gotten jobs there as well. Yeah. Why would it be natural for them, but not for me? Mm. And that I, I, yeah, I wound up, I wound up getting, getting that job. And the first thing some of my coworkers tell, told me was, yeah, we wanted someone else, but they, you know, they, they, they turned us down. So we took you instead. Why would you say something like that? I don't know, but that already proved to me that, okay. This is, this is where, this is the level that's been, this is where the bar has been set for me. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. It's a challenge and I'll do my best. Mm-hmm. But, but, but you're already there, you know, this was within the first months that I heard this. And you always, all it was always there, always nagging, always nagging. Someone would always comment on, you know, the first the first years at my workplace, I didn't I didn't go sit with anyone else because I was I was tired of hearing the N word, the oh, N balls. So I was like, because I was you know I was always scared of like ah I might get fired if I if I if I make a scene. Mm. So you know I was I did the whole hear no evil, see no evil. So <laughs> yeah. if I don't hear it, it's not there. Yeah. Now, now I, I'll take I take a different approach. I don't hear it, but I'm more you know I'm more comfortable being me at my work at my place of work. Because I think that's the differences like between like Sweden has to like for, yeah I don't know what to say like Sweden has to like take actions when stuff like this happen. They have to like change their mindset as well. Um, I don't want to. Um, I don't want to say like, oh, well, they haven't had that many generations. Like, cause I'm like, nowadays, like you said, like there's no excuse to be ignorant. It's not like back in America, you know, like when they didn't have anything, like in the end of the day, like the first generations qu- came quite late anyway. So I'm like, mm-hmm. you have the resor- resources now to actually do your research. So there's no excuse for you to like still say those kind of words. 
and also because here like if that would happen in a workplace that, that wouldn't like i think you would get fired like that's illegal i think you can also get like penalty so i'm like if someone is using the derogatory words towards your race it's not gonna it's not gonna fly like they do in you know in sweden at work or maybe in school because i saw an article not too long ago about a brother trying to like come yeah his sister was being you know um i think she was being bullied and they were yeah yeah i saw that article yeah yeah i saw that as well and it's only like the teachers hasn't done anything but only because the media came into place that's the only time they're gonna do something i'm like why because something before because in sweden sweden lives in denial where it's worse the worst thing in sweden one of the worst things is being called a racist not not the fact that you will use racist slur mm-hmm. but that you, that you as an individual is be, you that you call a racist that is one of the biggest insults you can give a sweet because mm-hmm. because like racism race doesn't exist right so racism doesn't exist in sweden because sweden is so tolerable and tolerant and we love all people and yeah. all that stuff that we say <laughs> so so if something is said yeah you know, it'll be in, in the likes of, yeah, but I really didn't mean it. Or maybe you're overlooking things or you're overthinking things. Or you're being a way over bit oversensitive because, you know, it's just a word. It's or it's just a piece of bake. You, you know, it's just a treat. You don't need to take it so you know seriously. Mm-hmm. This isn't America. We haven't had, you, you know, it's there's always a reason mm-hmm. to to to, t- to tone down your experience Mm -hmm. but there's never a reason to you know to uplift your success or anything then there never is Mm -hmm. because there's always a reason to 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 excuse bad behavior towards us there's always a reason but but there's never a valid reason for you being successful or for you Mm -hmm. being hurt You, you you can't be hurt and and I don't know. I hope. I hope these generations, like my kids, my kids are already going through. My kids are already facing racism. They are, and I just hope that we find ways to be supportive of each other, so that you don't go. You don't go walking around, or that you don't. That you don't think that you're in the struggle alone. Because mm. everyone with our skin tone, I'd like to say everyone or a majority. We face these struggles. We mm. do know that it's there. Yeah. But uh, no, you it's know, very solace in, mm-hmm. There's solace in knowing that we're not facing them alone. Yeah, no, exactly. Because um, that just made me think about like one of my brothers told me, um, you know, with the police, uh, you know, we get stopped with police, and he told me like, yeah, yeah happened several times. And I'm like, why didn't? Because I didn't know that. Because he never said anything. And I think he was like, and th- those are the kind of things as well. Like, I think he just like went through that alone instead of like talking to yeah. us. And be like, Cause at the end of the day, we're all black in the family. It's not like one is, you know, white, one is red, one is black. One is like, we're yeah. all the same. So we, as a family, we need to talk about it. Yeah. And I just feel like growing up, yes, my mom and my dad, they always did, especially my mom always did say like, you probably heard that as well. Like you need to work 10 times harder, all yeah. of that thing. And at that time, I think I was maybe because, well, I went to like a predominantly white school and I had loads of like Swedish friends. So 
I, I felt like them at one point. Like I, I thought like I was the same as them. But then I think mm. I learned the hard way when I started like secondary school that I'm like, okay, I'm actually not yeah. the same way. Or they're saying like, I had a teacher in Swedish when I was going in, um, I think ninth grade. She was telling me that, are oh, you, you're doing very, very well considering this. And I'm yeah. like, why do I have to take that into aspect? Why can't you see me as me and be like, you're doing well? Or if I'm doing bad, then tell me. Don't tell me that I'm doing well mm. because of something else, because I'm coming from a different background. And then she told me I'm never gonna get any better grade than, than uh, a pass in in secondary school, and I was like, because <laughs> like in in ninth grade I did well, like I got like a good grade. But she said like in secondary school you're not gonna get the same. But then I ended up getting the same. But for me I'm like you're already setting me up for failure, and that's yeah. like how and I learned the hard way. Yeah, and the thing is. In in her mind, she was probably not setting you up for failure. She was probably doing you a favor, preparing you. Probably, yeah. That you know what? Don't don't get disappointed, but be, be, because you know, despite where you come from, you, you know, and and that's what they do because they change. The narrative always gets changed. It's despite where you come from. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not thanks to where you're from. Mm -hmm. It's always the spite. Yeah, and I don't you, like you that. know, no, and, and and that's I don't know, and it, it brings me back to what you talked about your brother because that's another thing, I, or I don't know if if it's a myth. Mm -hmm. So I'll speak for myself as as a so-called black man. I don't talk. Mm. I don't. Uh, and, I don't think it's a myth. It's <laughs> my boyfriend. <laughs> And, and well. yeah, we, we don't talk. Mm -hmm. we, and, and that's why I think also that, you know, it, it strengthens the whole angry black man because then when we do react, we explode. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, I've seen that. Be, 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 because, because like, man, when I just, when I got stopped the other day, I, I was, I exploded. I was about to explode. Thank God for my wife. She's like, take it, take it easy. Mm -hmm. but, but, but that's the thing because there's so much that we try to also, I think me, my inability to express because of fear that I won't be, that I won't be as strong as I need to be. Mm. Even though intellectually, I know that there's no, there's no weakness in sharing. Mm -hmm. There's no weakness and, and being vulnerable, that is, it's the opposite. Me telling you this, me knowing this intellectually, emotionally, I'm not there. Mm -hmm. Because I haven't been given the room to get there. Or I haven't, no, I ha the door hasn't been opened for me. And, and then you have a lot of sisters that try to do it for us. Mm -hmm. but, but, but it just, it doesn't, it doesn't suit the society or the place in society where we are, where we need to be big, strong, big and strong. Mm -hmm. Protect, you know, we need to protect ourselves and to be able to protect others. Or that's the pressure I've always felt. Yeah. I need to be able to protect myself. I need to be able to protect people around me. Um, I don't drink, for instance, and that's because of religious reasons, health reasons, but also that is a reason because if I, if I'm not in control, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen and fine. I'll be the one in control to protect others. Mm -hmm. So 
having that in mind, it's not easy mm-hmm. sharing and being vulnerable because mm-hmm. we're, what happens when we do, for me, being vulnerable means letting my guard down. And letting my guard down means that I can get hit from any position and get knocked out. But and why would you, cause for me, like, sorry for if I cut you, but uh, you, necessarily talking doesn't mean that you have to go around and tell everybody or tell you no. maybe like why counterparts or something like that. No. I just mean like, I think it's important, especially growing up in Sweden as young black men that maybe you create a society where you can have a safe space there and just talk and share whatever you go through and just mm-hmm. uplift each other. So mm-hmm. by doing that, I don't see how you're gonna be attacked if your other you know, black brothers or black friends are going through the same, how are they gonna come and attack you? They won't attack, but I think it's part of the male ego mm-hmm. as well. And just, uh, and just the fact that being vulnerable to anyone else isn't easy it's it's tough it's tough for everyone um i won't say that it it, that it's tougher on us i won't say it's tougher it's tough on everyone Mm -hmm. Uh, what's tough for me is to accept the fact that i can be vulnerable Mm -hmm. because how long can i be in that vulnerable state Mm. and can i pick myself up from it even even if it doesn't mean that I'll be vulnerable for a long time, I'll be, I'll, I'll still be open. You get me? I can still get hit. You because you never know. And you make a good point that why not create a safe space? But who? But taking that first step to be vulnerable mm-hmm. with someone else, like my one of my closest friends, my best friend, my goddaughter's uh, father. We're really close, but even to him, you know, I won't open up completely. Not because it's something wrong with him, but it's 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 just built within me. And some things, you know, we don't talk about, and that is something that needs to change for 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 us if if we're going to be able to be of any help to anyone else. Mm-hmm. that th- these are things that we need to change yeah but, but it, it isn't it's not easy because when do you have the time and space if you if you consider yourself the provider or the protector where, when do you have the luxury of being vulnerable yeah. because we live in a place where everyone is expecting us to already be weak and we're so vulnerability becomes equated with weakness Mm-hmm. And we can't afford being weak at any time. Mm-hmm. That's how I think. So, That's so it's. How it, a lot of people think as well. So, like as as a dad, because you said that your your kids are going through, like some racism. Like how how does that make you feel? Like knowing that now your child is also going through like some racism. Do you speak to them about it? Like to try to help them? Well, I'm sure you do. <laughs> But like, how does it make you feel? It's the worst thing I know. Yeah. Because I can't protect them. That's something I can't protect them from. Mm-hmm. I want to be all, you know, alpha and be like, just, you know, beat. But I, I, 
Honestly, unfortunately, you can edit this out. I've told my older kids, you know, someone calls you that you punch them in the nose. I don't care. I will stand by your side. If you do it, I will protect you. I will tell the principal that I would have done the exact same thing. Yeah. But that doesn't solve anything. It yeah. really doesn't. Even though I'm like, well, you punch them in the nose. They're not going to do that to you again. It doesn't mm -hmm. solve anything. Yeah. Because the problem at hand is still there. And yeah. that is what... You know, like um, when we talk about justice, mm -hmm. or when people say, oh, Black Lives Matter, no justice, no peace. Mm -hmm. I, I wrote that on my Instagram as well, that justice and peace for me are the same things. And I'm taking the biblical definition of it because justice isn't when you, you, the wrongdoer gets a punishment. It's, mm -hmm. but it's when the one who's been wronged gets uplifted, gets healing. That is what's, that is how God defines ju justice, you know? When you uplift, when you heal the wounded, that is what's doing justice because that is what will lead to a sense of peace. That is what will lead to healing. Not punishing the one who's, all, who's victimizing you, mm -hmm. but helping the victim become the victor. That is what's justice. Mm -hmm. And that is what brings peace. And that is what brings healing. And that's why I try to, in the, in the best of words, worlds, that's what I would try to do and teach my kids. But it's difficult. Mm -hmm. First time my, my now four-year-old was, what to my knowledge, faced racism was, was we were walking down the hospital and she was happy. Mm -hmm. Walks past her and calls her a monkey. Who? Someone, yeah, someone just walks past us and calls her a monkey. Are you serious? Was this and an adult or was it another child that was being... No, scared? this was an adult. This was no, an adult. outrageous. And, and that's the thing. I got outrageous and I wanted to scream. I wanted to beat that. Sorry for saying I wanted to punch that person. Mm -hmm. But that would take over. My, my daughter didn't hear it and she didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. So what she would have seen would have been a, her dad being angry and mm -hmm. acting in a scary way. Mm -hmm. And people around us would have seen they because they wouldn't they didn't hear they wouldn't they didn't hear what was said, mm -hmm. but they would see my reaction. And that would play into their preconceived ideas of me already. Mm -hmm. Already there giving in to anger. I, by punishing, you get me, by punishing the one who, who made her, who victimized us in a way. Mm -hmm. It only, would, only, would only steer me in the wrong direction. It would only yeah. make me a victim. It would only, you, you, you know, it wouldn't, yeah. do, it wouldn't lead to anything good. But instead of but focusing on her, putting the focus on her, and, you know, making sure that she's okay. Mm -hmm. And it's so difficult. It really is because... This is the fate. This is they're going to be facing battles where I'm not around. Mm -hmm. But struggle, the struggle that I'm talking about that I've been coming to so much isn't the struggle against society, changing society. It's healing society. Mm -hmm. It's healing ourselves, helping each other heal. That is because that is what the change. That's when the change will come. Yeah. So the focus in yeah. our struggle. Need, need, our struggle needs to be finding ways to help each other heal. Mm 
Mm-hmm. That's how we. That's how. That's how I think we'll find peace. Mm-hmm. But it's you know it's fancy words and it's fancy fancy thoughts. It's so difficult to put it into action, and it's so difficult to live to live this way. Yeah. But it's and that's why it's a struggle, I guess. Yeah. So I'm saying it's a struggle that we need to be sharing. Yeah, definitely. We need to. I, I'm. I'm just like. Yeah, I'm just baffled or speechless of hearing that someone call your daughter a monkey, like being four years old, like what kind of like, that just tells you what kind of person you are. And and I don't know if I'll be able to be strong enough to just walk away. I think I would say something to that person because you know, like that's your child, like you want to protect them. And for someone to say something like that, I would be outraged. Like I don't know what I would do, but I think I would and, not. And that's the thing. You sometimes you re, some. There's a time and place for everything. I wish I would have gone back and screamed and shouted, but I wish I would have stopped that person and spoken to to him. But I wouldn't have been able to do it in a calm manner. Yeah, I understand. Uh, By so acknowledging that, that that you would not be able to do that, that's mm-hmm. also strong. Like you know really like this is not gonna help anything by screaming or maybe beating that person as well um Mm. it wouldn't help so do do you think because obviously you live like i would i would call it countryside (laughs) 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 do you think like things would be different for children if you lived for instance in stockholm where there might be because i mean like like your kids are mixed though Mm. yeah so i'm like I'm, i'm surprised that they would yeah, I, I don't get it. But I've been in yarn, yarn shopping anyway. But do you think it would be different if they lived in Stockholm? No. No. The difference would yeah. be the difference would be that they'd see more people that resemble them. Mm-hmm. But that's where the difference stops. Because most of the racism that I've faced and experienced has been in Stockholm. It yeah. hasn't been. It hasn't been in this in this small town. It's been in Stockholm. The yeah, worst I know. has been has has been in Stockholm. And I think the disappointment would be even bigger because you come to a bigger city and expecting more tolerance because the, the, you know, there's so many different ethnicities. It's multicultural mm-hmm. in many ways, in more ways. So then I think that the blow in Stockholm would be a lot harder. Mm. But I do want them to grow up in Stockholm to go up where they're not the anomaly, mm-hmm. to be where they're not like, hey, I'm the only one that looks like me. I, I don't want that. I don't want yeah. that. So in that way, I think there's, there can be solace or, you know, you can find peace within, in unity with others who look and resemble like you. Mm-hmm. So in that way, I think it would be easier. But yeah. yeah. Well, at the same time, because I'm like, well, I do understand that what your experience was in Stockholm and what I experienced that was in Stockholm as well. But then we are from a different generation, though. So, like, because, I mean, <laughs> at least in Stockholm, like, there are loads of, like, mixed kids and also, like, black kids or other ethnicities. So I'm just yeah. thinking, like, being from a different generation that they are younger, then there might be other kids that have seen more kids that look like them as well it might be like a normality for the other kids or like mm. the, par- the parents of the kids as well. Mm. Mm. Like I find it, I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised, but also find it a bit hard believing that 
they will be racist towards the kids, like in Stockholm, considering that's, like you said, all of these factors. Yeah, but that's the, I think that's what makes it so difficult for, for people in Stockholm, parents that find, that face racism, because they're like, come on. And that's, and, and that's what I think we, we tend to forget, the ignorance isn't geographical. Mm. It's, 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 it's universal, unfortunately. Yeah. No, it is. It is. I just like hope it's going to come a time where we don't have to face these things. Cause at the end of the day, like I always say, like, I think racism is never going to go away. And I, that's something I still believe. Um, maybe that's another discussion for another time as well, but I don't want to be negative and thinking like it's never going to go away. But at the same time, like seeing how things are going, um, seeing that people have the resources, again, they have the computers, they have the news, they have the radio and everything, um, and are, are also more culturally aware, how can you still be racist? I don't get it. And the fact that racism is still there, I don't think it's ever going to go away. No, because racism is a choice. Ignorance is a choice. Mm-hmm. And it's a choice made based that people make out of comfort. Yeah. Because it's it's a lot easier to stay ignorant, isn't it? Than having to face your preconceived ideas. It's a lot easier to stay dumb than to change. Because change requires something of you. It requires effort. And why put in effort? Why put in more effort when you don't need to be? Because even if you have your preconceived ideas, you don't need to change you get me. If you're not the one facing oppression, if you don't know how it feels like, why would you? Why would you try to put yourself in that, in that person's shoes? Because you're not going to get affected anyways. It's so much easier to just turn a blind eye. Mm. Even like the 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 code of life here in Sweden, the silence is golden. Even people who say they're not racist, there's white silence is terrible. It's you, you know, but. But if you don't, if you, uh, but if you never need to make that, if you don't know what it's like to always having to put in the extra double the amount of effort and time, what, why, who's, why are you going to start? And why are you ever going to start? For us, we we're, we're, we're shaped and raised that way that we have to be 10 times better. Mm-hmm. We already, we already know that we have to put in that. We have to put in more effort than anyone else. And mm-hmm. if you're not raised with that, you know, assertiveness and knowledge, why would you, why would you want to put yourself through it? But you don't, you don't have to though. Like, even if you like, oh. so I'm just thinking like for someone that it doesn't take that much effort to listen. I just feel like it's enough for you to listen. Um, in the end of the day, you're still not going to understand what we're talking about because you have never mm-hmm. lived through that. You might be hard to like actually understand how we actually feels. But to listen and be like, okay, this is how someone else's life is. That should be enough for you to be like educated or like to learn something new. Because I'm like, do you not want to elevate yourself? Like the same way you want to get like promoted and get a better job and all of that. Like, why don't you want to do that same mentally and also evolve as a human being? Yeah. Why do you want to do that? So I'm like, for someone that is comfortable and be like, no, 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 I don't want to hear it. And all this stupidness that what everyone's saying, like, all lives matter. That really pisses me off. It really like angers me because obviously 
not everyone's lives matter and that's why we're we are where we are yeah and and that's very ignorant for them to say that so i'm like why can't you just listen and understand just being going to like hiding behind your computer and say like oh yeah all lives matter and that's yeah. it mm. so i just feel like yeah i mean it's a difficult one but personally i think that that's never gonna go away um and I, I don't think, yeah, maybe it's bad to say it, but I don't think that we ever be treated equal because that's too much threat anyway. So yeah, at least, as long as we live in the Western world, we're never ever gonna be treated equally. Well, we just need to be content with the scraps we're given. Yeah. And sometimes, I don't know if I said this on another podcast show, <laughs> I probably did, cause I, I feel like I repeat myself a lot. But um, I said like once, I'm like, I wonder how the world would look like if all the black people, like all the other ethnic minorities just moved back to their original countries and invested there. I wonder how the world would look like. Because at least in the original countries, there wouldn't be any like discrimination of your skin tone because everyone would look the same as you. Mm. So yeah, I wonder how the world would look like. And personally, I don't think that the higher position people would allow us to, to do that as well. Because yeah. as much as they hate us, they need us as well. So, yeah, yeah. you seem very busy. <laughs> no, not at all. Are you cooking? No, I'm not cooking actually, I'm done. Oh, that was quick. What did you cook? I cooked soy steaks with, um, Chopped potatoes, onions, green bell peppers. Nice. That looks yummy. That looks, not looks, well, obviously I can't see it, but that sounds yummy. No, so, no, so I'm done. It's our, I just switched off the oven. Yeah, cool. So where is everyone, by the way? And the, the other part of the house. Oh, okay. So you're just in your man cave or something. Yes. <laughs> All right, all right. Gosh, I'm uh, yeah, I'm boiling up here. Oh, I'm sorry. No, don't be. It's just I decided to close the windows because obviously the noise. Like yeah, um, as soon as the windows are open, it's a lot of noise, um, coming through. And I live like right by a primary school as well. So like obviously the kids are not out now, but around damaged, mm. like it will be you know kids screaming. And yeah. I, <laughs> so yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. But yeah, Bob enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, uh, me too. Tough. It's tough, man. And hearing what you went through, it's mad. Like I can't even mm. imagine it. But like I said, I think it's important. I know, like with your male pride and being having to be alpha, is can can be hard. But I think mentally, I think you guys will. When I say guys, I mean men. I mm. think mentally, you men would benefit from it by just actually just talking and open up to yeah. each other yeah so even if like you know you have your box and someone else has something else and that's like our meditation mm. uh, I, I like to see going to the gym as a meditation because whenever i'm like stressed or whatever i feel like i can release that stress by going to the gym mm. but still i think regardless if you have something you can do i think it's still better or good to speak about it as well Mm, mm. release your feelings yeah but josh thank you again so much thank you
the show. It's been it's been a while because we haven't spoken for such a long time. No, it's 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 been years since we yeah, spoke. Yeah, it has been years. And it's been years since I last saw you. I can't even remember when the last saw you. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, obviously we we lived even when I lived in Sweden, we lived in different parts of Sweden. You lived like five uh, hours from me. And then I think, like you said earlier, like whenever you were in Stockholm, you were busy. So I wasn't able to see you. But maybe you can come to London one day with your wife and your kids. <laughs> uh, it's definitely, you know, after COVID, COVID, I'm, I'm going to go to London. I want, I want to take them to musicals. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm the only one that likes musicals, but they'll learn. <laughs> <laughs> they will learn. I love it. <laughs> You're forcing it upon them. But what musicals would you like to go and see them? Lion King. Oh yes, of course. But they should love Lion King. Yeah. Yeah. So easy, easy, easy peasy. Yeah. I was. I wish. I still. Even if I've lived here for like five years now, it's actually soon to be six. Mm. I still haven't been to any musicals, and I feel you like haven't. I haven't. So I'm like, it's always like I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but it's always been like, I've been either too busy. And then when I'm not busy, I'm like, mm, who should I go with? And then like, yeah, actually I was supposed to go with my boyfriend to Thriller. I don't know what happened. Um, yeah, we were gonna go and see Thriller, the musical mm, mm. or Michael Jackson. And then I think later on that's when COVID happened. Yeah, that's what we were supposed to do for our anniversary. Uh. That's what we were supposed to do, yeah. And then COVID came and we're like, okay. <laughs> But yeah, but when things go open up like as normal, then we definitely have to do that for uh, sure. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, uh, I will come to Sweden anyway. Um, so hopefully you'll be in Stockholm by then. But yeah. Yeah. Catch up and meet. And I want to meet your children as well. Yeah, it would be nice. Yeah. Because, you know, last time I saw you, you didn't have any kids. <laughs> <laughs> and then boom, five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, that's crazy. That's crazy. Next thing, maybe next time you see me, I'll be pregos and everything. Maybe I have two of my own. <laughs> I'm joking. I need to finish school first. And then That's I'll... what you guys want. I'll be happy for it. Yeah, but yeah, that would be like after three years because obviously I'm going to start studying now. So mm. yeah, that, that will wait. That will wait. But yeah, again, Josh, thank you very much for coming on to this week's episode. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you. It's been and, a pleasure being on. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your story as well, by the way. And thank you everyone who has listened. And you will catch us again next week. So bye. I'm just trying to graduate. Can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. I'ma take flights to Kuwait.